We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're being seated, find Psalm 23. We continue our summer in the Psalms. Last week we did the first Psalm. This week we do what I believe is probably the most popular Psalm, and that is Psalm 23. I'm sure some of you have this text marked in your Bible. Some of you may have a picture at home with this text on it. Many of us have seen this on tombstones or at funerals um, or other occasions. And just such a blessing to read it this week um, for me. And I know it. I've preached it before. As a matter of fact, looking at my Bible, I preached this on March 3rd of 2021 here. And I was not smart enough to go back and find my old notes. And so I don't know if this is the same or not. So we'll see. I don't think it is. But I have just been blessed myself this week reading this, studying this. And I have a new appreciation for this psalm after my study this week. I hope that you'll get that as well. Let's read it. Um, Dusty read it for us once this morning, but I want you to hear it again. If you found verse 1, say word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I hope that as we look at this introduction here, that the first part of this will stick in your mind today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And specifically, this first part, the Lord is my shepherd. And I will tell you that for me, in some of the worst moments of my life, this is the verse that's come to my mind. As a matter of fact, if I don't feel good, if I'm sick, if I'm hurting, if I'm struggling with something, this verse often comes to my mind and I'll just pray this. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I know you're there for me. You're caring for me, even though I'm in a, a bind or a struggle. And so I pray that as, as you hear this phrase over and over again, they would stick in your mind in the same way. So look at this introduction. The Lord is my shepherd. So who wrote this psalm? Your Bible will tell you who wrote it. David. So before David was a warrior, before David was a king, David was, can you guess? A shepherd. And he was a shepherd because in those days, uh, it was often the lowest job. And he was a young man in his family, and so they just threw him out there to be the shepherd. Of course, he learned many lessons from that. And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he is, in a sense, an expert on the topic. 
He knows what a shepherd's supposed to do, what a shepherd does, and he knows what the sheep, the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. And so David knows all about this. He says, the Lord, my Lord, is my shepherd. But then notice the second part of this introduction. I'm going to highlight a different word. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He made this personal. He says here, the Lord that I'm praying to in Psalm 23, the Lord I'm praising, the Lord I'm serving, the Lord I depend on for all things, he is my shepherd. And I love how, and this is all throughout the scripture, of course, how these prayers are very personalized. The Lord is my shepherd. And, and I'm reminded of this, I'm reminded of this truth that it's not enough for anybody in here to say, you know what, the Lord was my grandma's shepherd. Although that's great. The Lord was my grandfather's shepherd. The Lord is my mom's shepherd, my dad's shepherd. The Lord is my fellow church member's shepherd. The Lord is my pastor's shepherd. The Lord is my brother's shepherd, my sister's shepherd. None of that is enough, is it? Can we say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd? Mine. I hope you can say that. The Lord is my shepherd. And if, you, if you're not sure, let me take your mind to John 10, where Jesus uses this same metaphor, similar metaphor of sheep, and he says, I am the good shepherd. And then Jesus says this, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So if you're not sure if he's your shepherd, here's how that, that happens, right? Christ atones for your sin. Christ became the sacrificial lamb, the good shepherd, who paid for our sins. And then in John 10, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And so this same, again, same metaphor, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep, I call my sheep, I know my sheep, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And of course, I'm speaking of salvation, right? Repenting of your sin and believing in Christ as Savior and Lord. And so I want you to see, and I hope you can say, through repentance, through faith, through following, through loving Christ, that you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, look at the next thing. I'm going to highlight one more word in this phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, if you look back at your scripture, you look at our screen here, David does not say, the Lord might be my shepherd. The Lord could be my shepherd. If this happens, the Lord, the Lord will be my shepherd. No. What's he say? The Lord is my shepherd. When David said this, there's a surety, a confidence, right? He knows. I don't know what else is going on in life. Probably some struggle. But through it all, the Lord is my shepherd. He's there to guide. He's there to lead. He's there to care. So let me give you three blessings of the Lord being your shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, here are three blessings from this psalm. Ready? Number one, the Lord provides. He provides. So verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I shall not be lacking, I shall not do without. Flip over to Psalm 34. You should be close to it. Look at Psalm 34, verse 10. And I have a lot of these references, and I'm just going to give you one right now. Psalm 34, 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. 
They that seek the Lord, that know the Lord, those who are his sheep, shall not lack any good thing. And I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How often do we worry about earthly things, and God has told us over and over again in his word, I will provide for you. But the problem is, right, sometimes we want things that God doesn't think we need, right? And so we may not always get what we want, but God always gives us what we need. As I think about this shepherding thing, I was trying to think of an illustration from my childhood. And when I was probably 9 or 10, my dad had this great idea to get a few calves. And we just got some calves, and I don't know, again, it might have been 8 or 9 of them, I can't remember. And I was like, this is really cool, right? As a child, you're like, this is awesome. We have farm animals now. This is going to be fun. What I didn't know was he was going to make us get up before school every morning and bottle feed these things. Anybody ever done that before? Big old bottle, and you're like feeding them, and they're fighting, and they're tussling. And, and the worst, I still can vividly remember a few of those mornings when it's raining and muddy, and we're falling in the mud, and I'm like, Dad, this is awful. we got to sell these things. Let's get rid of them. And we didn't have them very long, thankfully. But taking care of those animals... We understand what it means to care for, and some of you have pets, right, or, or you care for them, and of course, us with children, we care for them, we provide for them. This is the idea here, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack, because he will provide the things I need, right? We don't give our kids everything they ask for, most of us don't, but we do give our kids everything they need, right? And that's what the Father does for us as well. I want to bring out this point as well here that because we, we are really blessed. Most of us, all of us in this room are blessed compared to most people around the world, right? I once heard if you can find spare change in the, in the cushions of your couch, then you're in the top 10% of the richest, richest people in the world, <laughs> something like that. Um, so we may not always get the earthly blessings, but when this says we shall not want, I always think about this as not just the earthly things I need, but most importantly, the spiritual thing I need right? The peace, the love, the joy that comes from Christ. He gives us, we never lack spiritually because of Christ. If we do lack, it's because of us, right? A shepherd, think about the shepherd again. We have a providing shepherd who gives to his sheep. I was picturing David as a young boy out there being a shepherd, and you know, a shepherd might fall asleep, and the sheep might get in trouble. The shepherd might get distracted, and the sheep could wander. The shepherd might get frustrated with the sheep. But you know what? You know what? Shepherd never falls asleep, never gets distracted, never abandons his sheep. And that's the good shepherd. That's the Lord. He is there for us. I won't give you these verses, but I found them in Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and other Old Testament things that just talks about the Lord being the shepherd of his people Israel, caring for them holding them, providing for them. Think of verse 2. Beautiful picture here. You can just picture it. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Two things about this. The first thing I want you to see is that the green pastures are a great place to, to feast, to eat, right? You leave the sheep here, they can have plenty of grass, plenty of things to, to munch on. Verse 3. I'm sorry, still in verse 2, he leadeth me beside the still waters. So he provides their food, he provides their water, he gives them those basic things they need. 
Um, how many of you have a pet in your house? You have a pet in your house? Do y'all, do y'all or outside? Do your pets do that thing where they know it's about time to eat? And so they, they, they meow at you or bark at you or they go sit by the bowl. They're like, come on, it's time. I know you're about to feed me. A lot of pets do that. This, I'm reminded of this. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And I, I was thinking about that with the, with the pets. We have a cat, and a lot of times I'll walk down the hallway, and she walks up, meow. You know, she, she's like, feed me. She knows I'm going to go feed her. And I thought, I thought about that with God feeding us spiritually. How many of us approach God with that same mindset of feed me, give me a feast, uh, satisfy my thirst, satisfy my hunger? I hope every time you open the Word, every time you come to hear a sermon or a Wednesday night study or any kind of Bible study that you're saying, God, I'm desperately in need of what you have to give me. I need this. And, and we often think about coming to church to be a blessing to others, and we should, or like I'm pleasing God and, and with our presence, and that should happen as well. But how about we come as, as hungry children looking to our Father to give us the spiritual food we need? That's a good perspective. One of the reasons I like to take notes, by the way, when during sermons, I like to take notes because I'm, I'm just like, all right, give me the next thing. I'm ready for it. Bring, give it to me. Another thing about verse 2, though, and someone brought this out in, in something I read about this chapter, is that sheep are very skittish. Sheep are very on edge. Sheep are very restless animals. I've never been around sheep, but that's what I've read about them. Um, and so, again, sheep is such a good metaphor for us. How many of us are skittish or on edge or restless? I made a list here. Some of you this morning, maybe you're just restless about the day-to-day stuff you're going through in life. Maybe there's a relationship issue. It's not quite a relationship, not quite where you want it to be. Maybe a job situation you're worried about. Maybe a health scare or health issue. Maybe you just have trouble trusting the Lord or diving into a full commitment with Him. Most of us would say, if we're honest this morning, there's something in my life causing me to be a little restless or on edge or skittish. But look at verse 2. The shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. This verse is not just about food and water. It's about peace and calm. Those are the pictures of a place you go and of tranquility, of serenity, of just peace. Some of you this year, I know we've been out on the lake, the lake a couple times, and late in the evening, the sun's going down. It's a beautiful sight, right? Just that it's peaceful out there. Some of you have been, you know, you can look out your back porch and see land and just, the shepherd brings his sheep to a place of peace and calm. And we all need that at times. You see, the, I think the implication here is that the sheep doesn't always know what it needs, but the shepherd does. Now, think, look, hear it again. The sheep doesn't always know what it needs, but the shepherd does. A couple of illustrations. I, nobody said this to me, so I don't know if anybody thinks this or not. Somebody might be thinking, I can't believe we're doing the Psalms this summer. Like, I don't need that. I need something else. But nobody said that. I'm just using this as an illustration. But apparently the Lord thinks we need Psalms because <laughs> that's what we're doing, right? And in August we'll do something different, and that'll be what the Lord needs, wants us to need then too, or what we need then too. Um, again, what we think we need isn't always what we need, right? The Lord knows. I'll give you a second illustration have a friend who is 
teaching Sunday school, or not Sunday school, Wednesday night at her, at her church. And she's teaching the junior high group, 12 and 13-year-olds. And at their church, they meet, all the kids meet, and they have a music time. Then they go to a crafts class where they build crafts. Then they go to a Bible study time. And she was doing the Bible study for these junior high kids. And by the time they finished the music and finished the crafts, she was only getting about 10 minutes to teach them the Bible. And she said, they're asking questions. A couple of them have recently come to Christ. And she said, I need 45 minutes. Like 10 is not enough. And so she, she went to the leaders of that, their children's group. And she said, hey, I, I need more time with these kids. They really want to ask me questions. I want to teach them more. And she made the tragic mistake of saying, can we cut out the crafts? And the lady who had been there, has been there forever, the lady who, is, who does the crafts, and I'm going to give, tell it just like she told it, with anger in her voice, she said this, these kids need crafts, <laughs> which made me laugh because <laughs> I've been right in her shoes before hearing people say dumb stuff to me before in church. <laughs> these kids need crafts. I texted her this morning. I said, you know, millions of people have come to Christ and gone to heaven without ever doing one single craft. <laughs> she was like, thanks. And I'm not against crafts. I'm not crafty. So I, I, kinda, I'm a, I am against crafts because I'm not crafty. But I don't mind the kids doing crafts. Mine's crafting right now over there. But this woman's like, no, we're not going to teach more Bible. We're going to do some crafts. <laughs> and my friend's like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know what you do. You know, I would, just, I would clap back at her. But this le- here's my point. This lady's mindset is that's the way we've always done it. And her mindset is they need crafts. My friend says, no, they need to hear more of the word. <laughs> that's what we need. And so you might think, I need this, I need that. Well, whatever we do need is, is in the word, and God's going to give it to us. Look at this Spurgeon quote on verse 2. When by faith we are enabled to find rest in the promises of God, we are like the sheep that lie down in the midst of the pasture. We find at the same moment both provision and peace, rest and refreshment, serenity and satisfaction. The Lord does that for David, who went through a lot of crazy stuff in his life. And the Lord can do that for us, who we go through a lot of crazy stuff in our lives as well. Remember what Jesus said, and uh, I should use the whole chapter, but he said, let not your hearts be troubled. He's talking about our future there, but... Let not your heart be troubled. If you trust in the promises of God, there is rest for you. There's peace for you. Verse 3, he says, The Lord restores my soul. That means to be revived with strength. That means like, I don't know about you, I don't ever eat breakfast on Sunday morning, and so when I get lunch, which sometimes is 1.30, 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, it revives my strength because I'm ready for it by that time. You ever worked outside all day, go get that tall glass of sweet tea or water, it refreshes you, right? It's, that's what this is. The Lord leads me to the green pastures beside the still waters, and I am restored. My strength is revived. Then it says, the shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness. In other words, the shepherd knows which way to lead his sheep. He leads his sheep in the right way, in the paths of righteousness, and he does it for his name's sake, that he might be glorified. We sang it earlier, he leadeth me, O blessed thought. I hope we can all say this morning, I'm following my shepherd, I'm following as he leads.
The first blessing you need to know and remember this morning about the Lord being your shepherd is that He provides all you need. Second, and they get shorter each point. The second one is the Lord protects. The Lord protects. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be terrified of evil. Did I change it up a little bit? (laughs) Right? No, it says, I will fear no evil. I've always thought of this verse as like a deathbed type thing. Have you ever thought that? Because I've heard stories of people reading this or quoting this in hospital rooms, in hospice and things like that. And, of course, I've used it in funerals and things like that. But, and I think that applies. But one Puritan described this, I think, beautifully. He said, imagine a valley between two mountains, two hills. And on the top of the hills, there are the, there's the enemy. And the enemy's up there with bow and arrow waiting to fire down as you walk through the valley, which is something that could have happened in David's life. He certainly had situations like that. And it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, death could happen because I have enemies attacking me. Though death could happen, I will not be afraid. I will fear no evil. That's interesting. To walk through the enemies who would harm you, and and, and maybe you don't have any earthly enemies, but we all have Satan, right, who is the enemy, our adversary, who's against us, against the people of God. So we certainly have an enemy in some way. But to know that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear evil because he is with us. What a phrase. If you take notes, I would underline that phrase, for thou art with me, for you are with me. There's an old quote, I don't know who said this, but somebody said many, many years ago, To fear no evil in the valley of the shadow of death is a blessed privilege to every believer. For death shall be to him no death at all, but a very deliverance from death, from all pains, cares, sorrows, miseries, and miseries of this world. It's a long quote, but it goes on to say that it is not death to die. Right? We think about death as maybe the worst thing, but as a Christian, it's going to end up being the best thing. Isn't that crazy? That's what Christ did when he flipped it. What's the scripture saying in 1 Corinthians? Oh, death, where is your sting? Christ's victory on the cross, Christ's victory coming out of the tomb, is a victory for his people, for us. Another quote here from Spurgeon. We do not die... We do but sleep to wake in glory. Death is not the house, but the porch. Not the goal, but the passage to it. And so imagining a shepherd walking his sheep through a difficult valley, a rough terrain, dangers around them, wild animals, and the shepherd does not leave or abandon his sheep. He's there with them. What a comfort. The scripture says in the New Testament, God says, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And most of us have illustrations in our lives of people, maybe even people close to us, who have abandoned us or left us in some way. And that hurts, right? But our Lord will never leave us, never abandon us. 
Alden um, doesn't like elevator rides. And so we'll be at a hotel or a hospital or something like that, and you get in the elevator with her, and no matter where you are, she's going to move over closer to you or to me, and she's going to grab my hand. Why does she do that? She wants that comfort. She thinks she's about to fall because it kind of the way the elevator does. But she grabs my hand because she knows, she wants to just know I'm with her, right? This morning, life might be hard for you, might be scary, it might be unbearable, something's going on. Grab, grab his hand, all right? Grab the Lord's hand. Look to him, trust in him, be near to him. Verse 4, you're with me, and then he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The shepherd had this rod he would use to fend off wild animals, to keep them from the sheep, and so the shepherd would protect the sheep with the rod. And some people believe it was a rod and staff, two separate things. Some people believe it was one stick. Either way, the rod was used to fight off the predators. The staff was used to kind of guide and direct and maybe jerk the sheep back in line, if you will. And I don't know, this might be a stretch here, but to me, the Word of God is that rod and staff for us. It, sh- it keeps us from evil, and it shows us the right way to go. It's our guide. God uses different things. God uses the church to guide us the right way. He uses godly people in our lives. He uses situations. He uses His Word. He uses prayer. And all these things God can use to guide us in the right direction. Let's look at verse 5. He kind of changes the metaphor here for a moment from shepherd to host. And I'll try to explain that briefly, but thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. In biblical times, they were big on hospitality. It was a really big deal. Um, You can read about that throughout the scripture. It reminds me of my grandparents, right? You go to your grandparents' house back in the day and they make you eat something. They make you drink something. When you go to leave, they walk you to your car. When you get in, they sit there and talk to you. As you back out, they follow you down the driveway waving. If you have a family like that, my grandparents would always do that. You can never get away. It's like, and I loved it. But this biblical hospitality is, is a big deal. And the idea here is that though there are enemies, the Lord prepares a table for David. He gives him protection and he gives him even, not only protection, but abundance. He says, my cup runneth over. And they would also anoint, by the way, a visitor's head with oil. It was, it was a, a kind gesture to be hospitable. And that's what that verse means. He's, God is uh, providing, protecting, and just giving David all he needs, even in abundance here, even in the midst of his enemies. So God provides, God protects. Let's go to verse 6. The final point is the Lord preserves. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's two good things to follow you, right? Goodness and mercy. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't think David means here, by the way, that he's just going to keep going to church or temple or whatever. I think he means I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord. 
I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And to know that God preserves his people through this life into the next should be a great hope for us. Right? And no matter what we go through, we have God, our Lord, preserving us. And right now, life might seem great to us. We might be healthy. Things might be good. But there's going to come a time for all of us, right, when we're going to be near the end of our lives. Don't know when that's going to be. But I hope in that moment we know, hey, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But if you know that now, then you'll know it then, right? With that confidence, that surety, I will dwell with the Lord. So, everybody knows who Arnold Schwarzenegger is, right? Terminator. Um, I love him for his bodybuilding days. Uh, uh, but he's an actor, right? I'm not so big into his politics. <laughs> but um, he came out this week. Did y'all see his quote this week? Anybody see it? Arnold Schwarzenegger, he has a new documentary on Netflix. And so, I guess he was being interviewed or something. And he said this. Heaven is a fantasy, and anyone telling you otherwise is a liar. Pretty strong statement, right? My response to that, well, somebody retweeted it and said, I guess he won't be back, because <laughs> he said, I'll be back. My response to that is, if you believe heaven is a fantasy, you better be right, right? I hope and pray that he finds the truth before it's too late. I believe it's real. I believe heaven is real. I believe hell is real. And David had a settled expectation that not only would the goodness of God follow him during this life, but that he would also be with God forever. I like this description of us on our journey to heaven. This is from a guy named McLaurin back in the 1860s. He said, It is as when the son of some great king comes back from foreign soil to his father's dominions and is welcomed at every stage in his journey to the capital with pomp of festival and messengers from the throne until at last he enters his palace home where the travel-stained robe is laid aside and he sits down with his father at his table. We're journeying through this life, but in Christ, we will one day sit down at his table. We will be home with him forever. The ultimate provision, the ultimate protection, and the ultimate preservation is life eternal with God. And Psalm 23 who, which I don't believe we even touch the surface of what all is in this psalm. We could preach it probably week after week and still see things there. But I'm reminded that my shepherd gives me the ultimate provision, protection, and preservation. Let me give you an application as we close. A couple points here. Three points, actually. Number one, we must recognize the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you recognize today that the Lord is your shepherd?
Again, if you don't, then you need Christ, right? You need Christ, the good shepherd, to lay down his life for you. Because until you're born again, through, through the Holy Spirit, by God's word, you will not recognize the shepherd. You can hear me preach, by the way, all day long. But until he calls you, right, in your heart, through the Holy Spirit, you will not recognize the shepherd. You can you all recognize my voice, you've heard it enough, but do you recognize his voice as he speaks to you through his word? His sheep know his voice. The second thing is not only to recognize the shepherd, but to rely on the shepherd. For us who are believers, we are so prone, aren't we, to try to do everything ourselves, fix everything, take care of everything. Let's rely on our shepherd. Go back in the psalm and look at how he feeds. He gives, he gives provision. He gives peace. Let's look to him for these things. First and foremost, look to him. Someone said to me this week, not in our church, this is not as a friend of mine, said from somewhere else, he said, you know, I just can't get committed in church, I can't stay in church, and then I left a church one time, I missed a few weeks, and nobody reached out to me, and and I felt like they should have, and he was, he was kind of going through a pity party, I feel like, and I want to say, I would say to him if he was standing here today, you don't, you don't even need to mainly rely on your church, right? First and foremost, you need to rely on the shepherd. Yes, I hope your church will love you and support you, but for all of us, the first and foremost person we need to depend on is the shepherd. I hope you recognize him. I hope you rely on him. And third, I, had to need, I need a third R word, repeat. <laughs> because things keep coming up in our lives where we don't rely on him, where we don't trust him as we ought or as we should. May God help us to repeat. Look with me again at verse 1. Y'all see it? If you'd like to, I want you to read this out loud with me. And I want you to say it, think about it. Ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's pray.